This is the Seven Figures Podcast Smart Money Strategies for Women with Sandy Waters. Seven Figures is sponsored by Family First Credit Union. When it comes to financial education, earning and learning go hand in hand, and Family First is here to help you and the greater Rochester community with both. It's called FIRE, a movement, a trend, a philosophy that a lot of people are following. Financial independence, retire early. Now I know uh, my ears perked up too when I heard retire early. I'm like, what? So if this is the first time that you're hearing about it, or maybe you have heard about the FIRE movement, today we're going to tell you all about it, everything you need to know. And then you decide, is it something that you want to start to practice? Or maybe you think it's all crazy and nuts. At least you're going to know, because that's the goal of this podcast, to make you aware of what's out there give you the facts so you can confidently make financial decisions for yourself, for your family. So thank you so much for taking time out of your day to join the Seven Figures podcast, to be a part of our community, Financially Confident Women. There is so much estrogen here in the room, yet our guest still gladly agreed to come on the show. Joe Selsey, hi. (laughs) Thank you for being here. I'm so happy to be here. (laughs) You feel part of the group now. We invite you in. I do. I feel very comfortable. I feel very warm. It is uh-huh. cold in Detroit today, and this is a very warm place. So ah, feel- yes. Joe Salci, hi, from the Stacking Benjamins podcast. You have been on before, and I was looking back. It was in 2017 that you were on the show with us. Has it been that long? That's yes. So- Where did 2018 go? I don't know. What happened? <laughs> it's, it's all a blur. 2018 was a really good year, though. I mean, I felt like even though the year, you know, for the stock market ended poorly, I feel like for a lot of people, they got their act together. I just heard so many warm stories about people financially and taking control. And I guess that's what this whole fire thing is about. But um, but I love that. uh, I love the positivity that I feel in the air when it comes to a lot of the people in the financial community. I agree. I totally agree. I'm excited for the future because I think we're openly talking about it more and everybody is on this kick of inspiring each other. Yeah, totally agree. And there's so many inspiring stories out there. And maybe it's podcasts like yours, Sandy, that are able to get the word out, right? I mean, these people that pay off their house in five years yeah. or people that decide they want to retire at 30. I'm not sure that's a good thing, by the way. And we can get into that later. People doing these big what do they call them? Big, hairy, audacious goals, right? They got these huge goals and they're accomplishing this great stuff. And then you think, well, maybe paying off my credit cards every month isn't such a challenge. Yeah. You know, you know and, and the motivation behind sharing their stories isn't really about bragging that they paid off their mortgage or they have no debt. It's more of to inspire, to say, hey, listen, you can do this too. It's such a, it's such a cool dream to have. It's funny because, you know, mortgage is what a lot of people consider good debt. And Cheryl, my spouse and I have never really even, you know, and I've been a financial planner and a podcaster and all this stuff for a long time. And, uh, I never really cared about paying off my mortgage. It's at a really low interest rate. And last week, Cheryl and I were talking about, wouldn't it be cool to pay off our mortgage? And she's like, who are you? Like, what are you you talking about? You've always said invest first. I'm like, yeah, but I'm just surrounded by these stories all the time. And they're so fun. And you do have this, you know, whenever you pay something off, you've had this feeling before, Sandy, you pay something off and you feel so great about it. Like just your inside just lights up and you're like, man, how do I get that feeling again? Okay, so now I have to ask you, and yes, we are going to get to the fire movement, but that was interesting. I totally assumed you would have already paid off your mortgage by now. 
You no, live and breathe finances. That's not the one thing that you wanted to get off the table. No, what I wanted to get off the table, I used to have back in the early days, and I'm sure we'll talk about mistakes that I've made, but in the early days, I had lots of debt and I was horrible with money, but getting rid of those high interest rate credit cards, getting rid of the high interest rate debt, like that was important. Okay. But then I became a mathematician, right? And a lot of financial people are good at math. And so uh, if you have a mortgage that's at four and a half percent, and then until this year, you could get a tax deduction on that, which made it even less interest out of your pocket after you, you know, calculate and throw back in the the deduction that you get. Now you're looking at below 4%. Well, historically, over long periods of time, the stock market's averaged around 10.2. And that's not every year, but if you give it 15 years, historically, most time periods you've done, you know, 10%. Most financial planners will tell you to look at seven or eight. So if I can get seven or 8% in the stock market, why the hell would I pay off my mortgage? I could actually pay off my mortgage more quickly. And this is the way I like to do it. I put money in an extra fund, in an outside fund that where um, it's in the S&P 500 mm -hmm. and it's an index fund. And I put my money there. This is my new plan. Put, put the money there. And then when the money gets to the point that it equals the amount that is left on my mortgage, with theoretically, with what I just said, it should build quicker than if I just paid down the mortgage then I can decide to pay off the mortgage. What's funny is I had clients that had this goal when I was a financial planner and you know, it was funny mm. whenever, when it came time that they had enough money to pay off that mortgage, guess how many people actually did it? Well, I'm assuming you're going to tell me none. none. <laughs> the way you set it. up the question. Well, okay. It's all about the freedom to do it, right? It's about the freedom to do it. And now that I know that I can do it whenever the heck I want, I'll just either have the fund pay the monthly payment uh, I'll leave that money where it is. Okay. It's this nice security blanket. Yeah, nobody actually did it. It's funny how behavior works. Wow. Okay, so now this really defines what it's all about. You have to find that right thing that fits for you and your lifestyle. And that's why it's so great to openly talk about it so you at least have knowledge and you see different sides and then you can adopt what you want. So conversely to your way, your method, I am the type of person that I hate debt. I hate anything hanging over my head. I need to wipe it clean so then I can feel secure in knowing that, hey, tomorrow if I walk into work and they say, you're out of here, I could be like, okay, well, at least I have my house right. <laughs> or at least I have my car that I could live in. I will take it down a notch with my spending in order to pay off the mortgage and pay off all that debt so then I could be like, okay, that's financial freedom the way that I define it. But it's interesting how we all define it in a different way. I mean, I'm, I'm curious because I think that has to do with two things for you in particular. Number one is the field you work in is, as you know, fairly fickle and is changing, has changed a lot over the last 20 years. Oh, absolutely. So, yeah. So being afraid of debt from that perspective is good. And then, but the other thing for a lot of people, it's, it's their upbringing. I was talking to a friend of mine who contributes to our show, Len Penzo from lenpenzo.com, just this funny, offbeat, very smart site. Uh, Len, Len was talking about how with his parents, when he was growing up in the seventies, like you didn't get into debt, you had layaway for stuff. I do remember layaway at Kmart. <laughs> right. You, you would set it aside. You'd make payments until you could afford it. And then you got to take it home. Yeah. And at some point we changed to go, no, just throw it on the credit card, pay X amount of interest and you can have it today Yeah. and for it later. And when we changed that mentality, 
um, I think the world changed a lot. It was probably a better place when we had layaway more often. Well, and that's my goal, too. And I think a lot of us as parents and you're a you know, you're a dad, too. Your kids are grown up, though, right? Twenty three. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, twins. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you feel this extra pressure to be a great role model at things sometimes that you, you haven't yet mastered. And finances is one of those things where you have to look for opportunities to teach your kids okay, this is the right way to do it. But you know, it's funny. So I'm a guy that my kid's whole life, I was in finance. We had more fun talking about stuff we screwed up. Like it is, it, it, it was, it was way more enlightening. I think for my kids when we talked about, yeah, I shouldn't have done that. You know, mm, when, yeah, when, yeah, that's true. When, when you bought something you shouldn't have bought or whatever. And I feel like we're afraid to do that with our kids because of that, because of your point, because we want to be a perfect role model. Yeah. We, we, we don't talk about when we mess up and then your kids think they got to be perfect. And, and, uh, and so I think it's healthy when you mess up to gather the wagons and go, okay, here's what dad did. Here's why you shouldn't do that. It typically is dad's mistake. You're absolutely right. <laughs> me under the bus. That's fine. And in the house, in my house, it is perfection and only perfection. Um, okay. So let's talk about the fire movement now. Fire, financial independence, retire early. A lot of people are totally on board and think this is the greatest thing ever. And then there's others who, uh, who argue that it's just a trendy thing and it's not going to pan out long term. So can you give us the concept behind it? A lot of people think that the fire movement started with this guy. He calls himself Mr. Money Mustache. He's got a great community. Um, and he went through this period in his life. He was an engineer uh, and he just rejected a lot of a lot of things that most of us take for granted. And he also started critically thinking about stuff we don't think about, like your most important, excuse me, your most expensive things in your life are your house and your car. So he started thinking about how can I make these things less expensive? He actually moved way closer to his work so that he could begin riding his bike. And he, and he started thinking about buying furniture and he liked doing woodworking. So he made his own furniture. And so all these high ticket items, which buying them took away from his enjoyment. He actually then found other ways to get them, which increased his enjoyment and also lowered his cost at the same time. It didn't actually start with him. He's a guy who's a wonderful writer and a great communicator. So a lot of people think that he did. I really, Sandy, go back to a great book that I'd encourage everybody to read by a woman named uh, Vicki Robin and her co-author who's since deceased, uh, Joe Dominguez. And it's, it's called Your Money or Your Life. And Vicki Robin is generally considered the, the kind of the grandmother of the fire movement. And it takes this idea of saving money. And instead of making it tactical, like it was when I used to be, I used to do uh, the public relations for American Express for a long time okay. and talk about like money on TV a lot. And when I did that, it was always tactical. It was always how to clip coupons or how to save on your utility bills. She made it much more philosophical, which is what Mr. Money Mustache talks about, about what what activities give you the greatest unit of joy? And I love this. I love this, you know, this math diagram of units of joy. I'd never thought about that before. And so if I've got something that's going to cost me a lot more money, but it doesn't, it doesn't give me any more units of joy, why the hell am I buying it? Like, what am I doing? I'm just spending money that I don't need to spend when I get as much money, when I get as much joy doing something that costs me less. So that kind of sprang into 
a bigger movement into a lot of different areas, depending on what gave people more joy. Some people are into small houses. Some people are into, into farming or gardening more to, to, uh, to, to raise their own food. Other people, you know, like hiking in the great outdoors, uh, you get all kinds of, you know, the tiny house movement, just all kinds of exciting places. People have, have taken this idea of, of fire, which ends up being, it ends up being this, does my job give me much joy? And if it doesn't give me much joy, why am I doing it? And in the fire movement, there's been this big discussion where it really is much more about the FI part, financial independence, Mm -hmm. than it is about retire early. Like one guest on our show said, said, and and I think this is a great quote. She said, there's nothing wrong with a life well worked. If you're in a job you love doing something that you love, there's no reason to stop doing that early. Like, why would you stop? Doing? You see these people, they retire age 60. They love their job, but everybody around them retired. So they retire and then they're dead by 62. And I don't, I don't have any medical proof, but I have to believe it's just because they didn't have any reason to wake up anymore. Yeah. You know, there was no, no sense of purpose anymore. Yeah. So there is nothing wrong with a life well work, but how soon can I get to that point that if the boss says to me, Hey, I don't need you tomorrow that you go, yeah, it's okay. I didn't need this job anyway. I mean, how great is that? I was just doing it because I liked it. Now I'm in a position of power and I can go do something else I like because I don't care because I've got enough money to live my lifestyle. And there's there's two ways to get here. Number one is to save more money. And number two is to cut your expenses. And it really is, and, and, and you know, the way I think about it, it probably for most of us is a combination of the two. A lot of people haven't asked for a raise from their main job. A lot of people have extra stuff around the house. There's that woman on Netflix now talking about organization. Oh, yes, yes. And and so a lot of people going to thrift shops now selling stuff. That's cool, right? Get get rid of stuff that you that you don't need. Have a garage sale. Um, have a pretend I'm moving sale. That kind of thing. Um, uh, side hustles just because what you love might pay you something. If you like photography, making a few extra dollars. Uh, uh, doing photographs for people, whatever it might be, maybe make more money and also reduce expenses and you get the best of both worlds. It's kind of like, in a way, a lot of people have already been living this lifestyle where they intentionally, consciously are setting themselves up to be prepared for that day if it comes where their boss says, you're no longer employed here. They could walk away and be like, okay, I'm fine. That is financial independence. Yeah. Live, uh, live like I'm in charge of my life. Yeah. You know? Okay. I feel like we went through this period in the 1900s when it was 30 years working for an employer who was going to take care of you. Then we went through this period of disillusionment. This is Joe's revisionist history, by the way. Okay. So Yeah, I love uh, it. We went through this period of, of, of disillusionment where we realized slowly that no, our employer really doesn't care about us that much. I mean, they do, but we're just a cog in this bigger wheel. And when something has to go, it's probably going to be the person who's paid the most or it's going to be the person with the highest pension or it's going to be those benefits that they decide that they have to get rid of so they keep the ship afloat. It isn't about you and your employer. It's about your employer keeping the ship afloat. And if things have to go that help you but not the company – those are going to go. And once people, then people went through this free agent phase at first where they started grabbing hold of their career. And then people like Mr. Money Mustache said, well, wait a minute, let's just grab control of our whole life. Mm-hmm. Let's just take back the reins and say, you know what? I, I, I'm back in survival mode. And how do I make sure that I always have the, 
you know, unless Shirley MacLaine is right, I only get to live one time. So why not live the way that 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 uh, makes me happiest and the people around me happiest, makes me feel good about myself and what I've contributed to humanity, you know, whatever that might mean to you. Um, why not live that way? I think it's very empowering. OK, so it sounds all good the way that you said it. So but not everybody's on board. There's people who are totally against it. So I want to find out the reason why and what how you personally feel about it. But first, conversations like this one is brought to you by Family First Credit Union, a helpful, educated team in our community that enjoys helping you live a financially healthy life. From the Stacking Benjamins podcast, Joe Selcihi joins the show this week. We're talking about the FIRE movement, financial independence, retire early. And where was it? In the Washington Post. I think it was uh, Michelle Singletary. She put it into words where I'm like, that's it. That's why people hate frugality, because she says people don't like to be told they can't have it all. That's it, right? That's that defines why we spend as much as we spend. And is that why people are not buying into the fire movement? Well, there are so, you know, there's the fire movements. There's this lifestyle. And that's the part that I buy into. Then there is this inner circle of of people who I feel like myself, you know, in any movement, you have people that are like, well, you're not fiery enough for me. You're not whatever enough for me. And, <laughs> yeah. uh, and there's this one upmanship and there are people that are so involved that, oh, really? You, you bought your clothes at a thrift store. You didn't make them yourself. What do you do? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Oh. The extremes. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's the part that makes people roll their eyes. And me, you know, I was a financial planner, Sandy, for 16 years. And when I see somebody that retires at age 30 because they've accumulated $450,000 by the time they're 30, and don't get me wrong, there is absolutely nothing wrong with accumulating $450,000 by the time you're 30. And there also is nothing wrong with saying, you know what? I reject this premise. I reject my job. I want to do something different. That's fine. But when you're 30 and you're telling me, you know, all the answers to everything and you have $450,000, number one, the math doesn't work for most people. 450,000 bucks isn't enough money to retire at 30 and stay retired unless you live on next to nothing, which by the way, a lot of these people do. And my question is, as a 50 year old guy who still doesn't know a ton and I feel like I know less every day, that, that thing, the more, you know, the less, you know, Yeah, I feel like some of these people are backing themselves into a corner. Like how can you say at 30, you're comfortable living in a camper in a woods and you're not going to wake up someday in your mid forties and go, this is a bunch of crap. (laughs) (laughs) If I could live in a decent bed, if I could get a Casper mattress, that would be fantastic. But I gave myself no room for error because I decided to go off the grid at age 30. So, you know, you just see people change over time. And I think you have to build some flexibility in your plan. And I feel like some of the very, very, very hardcore people are um, uh, are kind of a little extreme. And you know what? Good for them. I mean, I don't want to tell somebody else how to live. And I also don't want to throw out the baby with the bathwater. It is so excellent to actually take control of your financial security to say, you know what, I'm going to do what makes me happy today. And the cool thing is, is even if you do that at age 30 and at 45 years old, you go, I'm sick of living in a camper in the woods. You're 45 years old. You can probably go do something else. You know, you can change directions. You don't have to be tomorrow who you were yesterday. So, um, whilst, uh, while some of it, Sandy, 
makes me roll my eyes. But by and large, I'm a big fan. So you're a big fan of the philosophy of just spend on what brings you true joy more than spend frivolously, right? But you don't have to go bare bones and retire at 30 living in a camper. No, and I'm a guy who likes some expensive things too. You know, I mean, I embrace this stuff, but I love going to Disney and I know that I'm taking 16 bags of money to the mouse and I'm going to leave there a few <laughs> days later and it totally probably wasn't worth it. Right. That math equation, joy versus the money I spent, probably not the same, but I go quite a bit and I dig it and I think it's fun. And, um, you, you know, a lot of people in the fire movement, the fashionistas in the fire movement would go, oh, I'd never go there. Because the, the, whatever does, well, fine. That's, that's, that's uh, you, not me. You know, if somebody loves Lamborghinis. If you think Lamborghinis, you know, if you're okay living in your Lamborghini instead of a house. <laughs> well, I think that's what it is. You just got to budget your lifestyle for not having everything. Cause we can't, we have to, we have to face reality. We cannot have it all right. You can have it all, but not really physically. You can't have it all. You have to have set limits. But I do agree with our mutual friend, Paula Pant, who's appeared on your show Yeah, uh, from Afford Anything. She's on Stacking Benjamins. She's one of our contributors every week. Paula has this great phrase. You can afford anything, just not everything, right? Yes. So you can have anything you want. You just have to make choices. What is it worth? Yes. What is it worth giving up? And I love that philosophy. I do too. I think that's, that is a more impactful one than the fire movement where it's kind of misleading. Yeah. 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 Especially the retire early part, I think is misleading. Um, I mean, nothing wrong with telling your boss to shove it, but, but, I, but I, but I love the idea of just being independent enough to do whatever I want. Yes. To retire is not to just hang it up and just sit on your front porch all day. You should find other activities to do that, you know, to keep you having that sense of purpose and well, maybe yeah, making I mean, money. If your life, if you want your life to have some meaning, you don't want that meaning to end at 60 when studies show there's a good chance that you, you know, if you're 60 years old today, there's a chance you could live to be over a hundred, you know, yeah. there are people getting to 120 now. There was a study recently, Gail Sheehy, uh, who studies aging said, I, it's, it's been almost 10 years ago now that if you were 40, 10 years ago, that you could live to, to, to see, uh, uh, 2100. You know, and and you look at the math on that. I mean, people living to be almost 130 years old at that point. Just, uh, yeah, people are going to live a long time. And if you end career one at 60, that might be half time for you. So if you you can't just sit and watch, you know, watch uh, TV all day. Yeah. Which makes us all feel younger. Thank you for putting it in that (laughs) that sense. Like we're so young now. You're only 50. You're only at halftime. (laughs) <laughs> the older I get, the more I love those studies. Me too. Me too. I like that. <laughs> okay, let's get a little personal now with you. What is your big financial fumble that we can learn from? Because you said you love talking about your mess ups. Oh, yeah. Mine started immediately. I mean, in college, my family, we had a family where every time I walked in the room, my parents would stop talking about money. Money was always something parents handled, not something kids were involved in. Ah. And so I knew zip. 
And I went to this military college, the Citadel uh, in South Carolina. And the first week of school, I walked into the the uh, student union, Mark Clark Hall. And there's this table there where they're giving away. I don't remember what it was, Sandy. It might have been Frisbees. Uh, could have been a sports blanket. I don't remember. But I remember it was cool enough that I applied for an American Express card. And I got that American Express card. And immediately on Saturday when we got our first leave, I took all my buddies out for lunch. Didn't even think about it. Put it on the American Express card. I'm at a military college. I can't have a job, right? I, I'm, I'm, I'm fairly busy. I've got all this stuff going on, and there's, there's just no opportunity to have a job and to pay off this credit card. I put it all on the card, and then I went to Nordstrom, and I bought a sweater. Oh, boy. I have to wear a uniform every day. What the hell am I do with a sweater? So I buy this really nice sweater, and I've kept the sweater, and it's so ugly. But I kept the sweater. It was expensive. Put that on credit. And then 30 days later, this bill comes. And I went, oh, my God. How am I going to pay this bill? Like the first time I thought about it was then. I didn't think about it at all while I was running up the card. And then so what do you do when you're 18 years old and you have a credit card bill and you don't have a job? You call your mom. Yes, of course. And my mom did, depending on your point of view, the right thing and the wrong thing. My mom said, figure it out. And of course, I couldn't figure it out. The card was gone 60 days later. My credit was ruined. <sighs> it took me a long time to get my credit back because that wasn't the last time that I overspent and under uh, uh, yeah. uh, have enough income. I had to learn the hard way about how to keep a budget and how to fend for yourself and what your credit report means and why it's important to uh, make sure that you have credit and to respect, have a healthy respect for not using credit and having um, a healthy respect for a dollar. I actually had to stop using credit completely to to get myself out of credit and learn how to have a cash-only lifestyle. And once I did that for a while, then now I play the credit card reward game. I pay off my credit cards every month. Mm -hmm. Uh, But you know what? healthy respect for if you're somebody know yourself if you're somebody that doesn't know how to like I didn't know how to pay off your card every month and to keep track of that make sure that happens so you don't pay all this massive interest forget about the credit card reward game play the I'm not going to spend a bunch of money on interest game because that's so much money oh my god that's a crazy story you were paying for that one sweater that one ugly sweater for like years for a long time they sent a collection agency after me um, and of course I still couldn't pay. I was at a military college. I've got a collection agency calling my room <gasps> at a military college. Um, yeah. I can't believe and your it, mother. I can't. Now your mother did. A lot of people do say, and, and we've had guests on the show to say, bite your tongue. Don't help your kid. Just, you know, I, I don't know if I could do that though. Uh, I, I definitely couldn't have done it, but you know what? It was great. I mean, it was great. I look at me now and I'm like, yeah, I've lived through that. You know, so I know what it feels like firsthand when people when people write to us on the show and they're like, hey, I'm struggling with I'm like, hey, man, I've been there. Yeah, you've been you got the street crud. I get it. Know all of those (laughs) feelings and they are they are not cool. And that brings up, I think, a way to solve a lot of that, which is now there's cool technology where you can automate some of that. I taught my kids and my kids, by the way, 23 years old, already have phenomenal credit, way better credit than I would have even had had I 
been straight laced and paid off my cards every month because of the fact that they, you know, we talked about it in our family, how this stuff works. And like my son has a 2% cashback rewards card. My daughter has a, has an American airlines, uh, uh, a card that gives her, uh, points toward miles because she flies a lot mm-hmm. for, uh, not just for her job, but she enjoys travel already. So they have cards that suit them, but they use this cool service called debitized where you pay off your credit card like a debit card. So every time you swipe your card, Debitize takes the money out of your savings account. And I have no relationship with this company. They're not a sponsor of mine or anything like that. Okay. I just really like this concept. You swipe the card and the money comes out of your savings account or checking account, whatever you tell it to come out of, and it pays it like a debit card. And so we started using that, but they already have pretty good habits even without that. But it's a nice backstop. And automation is is a really cool thing that we have now that, you know, I didn't have when I was growing up. Now, wait a minute. What if they don't have money in their account? They mismanaged or, or misbudgeted. How much money would be the, in that account? Is there a... Uh... At some point, nope. At some point, you've still got to be the backstop. So you you still have to watch how much money you spend. It will not... It, it will not... <laughs> uh, it, it will... The thing will still swipe. The okay. credit card will still swipe. Yeah. Is there any rules in, in your house now, you and your wife, now that you're empty nesters, that you guys follow or maybe a rule that you've always followed a money rule. We automate as much stuff as possible because not being the smartest guy on earth, I will sometimes like everybody that listens to your show, I will sometimes stumble on something cool, right? Something that I'm like, wow, that worked out really well. And my first thought now is how do I automate that? So I never have to think about it again. Mm -hmm. But the next time the circumstance happens, I can take advantage of it. So we we have uh, separate accounts for our different goals. We keep a uh, vacation fund every year. We have money automatically go from our paychecks into that fund so that by the time I get to vacation time, I can pay cash. Now, I don't pay cash. I use the credit card, but on a budget, and then I use cash to pay off the credit card immediately so I capture all the points. Yes, Last okay. Week, we took a trip to Bavaria for our 25th wedding anniversary and um, paid for almost all the hotel rooms for two weeks on points. It was incredible. Wow. How was that vacation? It was fantastic. Although you can only eat so much sauerkraut uh, oh. before you go. Yeah, I've had enough. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, thank you so much, Joe, for being on with us again. You're awesome. Well, so you're fun. awesome. Thanks for asking me. This is a lot of fun. And I hope people check out the fire movement because taking control of your money is a cool thing. Yeah. Thumbs up on that part of it. Stacking Benjamin's podcast. Where else can we find you and follow you? And you're all over the place, really, more than just the podcast. Well, we have a new podcast uh, called Money in the Morning, where we take these headlines that you see, Sandy, all the time, like the Federal Reserve met or stocks went down today because of analysts expectation. What does that crap mean? Uh, you know yes. I mean? And I realized that now I read that, but it's because I got the decoder ring a long time ago where I can read it and I know what all this stuff is about. So uh, we do it live on Facebook, on our Facebook page, which is facebook.com forward slash iStackBenjamins. But then it's also an audio podcast. It's called Money in the Morning. It's uh, Bobby Rebell and I. Bobby is a uh, was a um, uh, anchor and journalist for Reuters and for CNBC, and so she and I take turns just live podcast taping where we um, explain what the heck all this stuff means that you see in the news. Oh, that's cool because a lot of it goes over our head. Totally does. Yeah. It used to go. 
and it drove me crazy. I'm like, I wish I understood this. I feel like there's something here and there totally is. And the cool thing is, it's like riding a bike, right? Once you know what it means, you'd never forget. Perfect. Thank you so much, Joe. Thanks, Sandy. So Joe reinforced the importance of financial independence, right? Taking control of your finances and getting to that point. But what if you want to, instead of cutting things from the budget, you want to just boost up your income to get there quicker? Maybe eBay is the way to go. Now, I am a big fan of shopping IRL in real life. Locally here, I love to support the Rochester malls. But when it comes to making money, I will listen. I will entertain the idea of selling things on eBay. Next week on the 7 Figures podcast, I found somebody who has made so much money as a side hustle, as a side business, selling things on eBay. So he is going to teach us how to do this. What does it entail? What do we need to know? He's going to talk us through the entire process. And then you decide, is it something you're interested in? So that'll be next week on the Seven Figures Podcast. Our goal is to get you to that point. And oh my gosh, I am telling you, it is an incredible feeling when you can honestly say you are financially free. No more money stress. Have a fantastic weekend. Cheers to being financially confident women. If you have a personal finance question or feedback about the show, we'd love to hear from you. You can reach out to Sandy at sandy at rochesterbuzz.com. New episode every Friday. Listen, subscribe, and tell a friend about the Seven Figures Podcast. Smart money strategies for women.